right, well, come on back and uh, you can grab your Bible and turn it over to Psalm 95 as we continue on. And uh, we got through Psalm 94 last time and uh, we're headed out. Hey, listen, um, so right around Valentine's Day, we're having a date night dinner. And uh, Autumn has the sign-up sheet over there. And so we're going to have a dinner here, and uh, you can sign up. And uh, uh, we want you to sign up earlier rather than later so we know how much food there is, okay? So you can get all the details from um, Elaine or her family, or you can ask Jan. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about it, too. And uh, you can get the, uh, the lowdown on date night, okay? So, Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Okay. A interesting psalm. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce would say that this psalm has been quoted, uh, what's the word he uses, more intensely in one area of the Bible than any other psalm in all of the 150 psalms. And here's where it is. I'm going to take you to it. So, in other words... The Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible through men had the writer of Hebrews. Who do you think it is, Timothy? Writer of Hebrews. I thought he would be controversial and say somebody different than me. But anyway, uh, whoever that you think the writer of Hebrews was, Paul. Anyway, uh, they quoted this psalm for almost two chapters. So let's read it a little bit. Let's go back to Hebrews and let's take a look at it. So jump into Hebrews chapter 3. Going into chapter 4. Goes for a long time. Look in verse 7. Look in verse 7. We're now forwarding all these different years. And God through the Holy Spirit is saying, wow, what you read in Psalm 95 there has a direct application to believers on this side of the cross. How cool is that? And he says this, therefore, uh, verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3, as the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit says, coming straight from Psalms 95, starting in verse 7. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, excuse me, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. So there's a number of places right there from the Old Testament in which the writer of the psalm that we find in Hebrews can be referring to. Like, for instance, at the waters of, uh, how do you say it, Meribah? You remember that, when Moses misrepresents God to the people, he gets a little short with people. Anybody ever get short with anybody? And he doesn't represent the Lord well. And also, there's this strain of complaining right through there, that the Lord's not providing for him. Remember that? But then there's also, we talked about it last time, when they get up to the promised land in a different part of the Old Testament, you remember this? The Lord sends in 12 spies. And all 12 come back, and 10 of them are like, oh, we are not taking that place. You seen the people in there, how big they are? I mean, the land is beautiful and flowing with milk and honey, just like the Lord said. But did you see those people? And two of them are like, what are you, Caleb, right? And what are you talking about? The Lord gave this to us. We're going to go in there and conquer and take battle and, or take the battle to them as the the Lord works for us. You remember these stories. And you also remember in the wilderness, because at Kadesh Barnea, where this happened, right? Trying to go into the promised land, but too, too scared, not believing, lack of faith. 
Well, they get put back out into the wilderness, and what do they start doing that's really the Lord doesn't look good upon? And that's, they complain about the manna. And I always say this, and you're sick of hearing it, but can you imagine complaining about the manna? I mean, every night. You ever, you ever been in that soft snow where you're sitting inside by the fire and whatever? You almost can hear the snow falling. You know what I'm talking about? And it's beautiful, and it's awesome, and you love it, and you get a cup of cocoa or whatever and the blanket, and you do it. And can you imagine every night that happening and going out and picking up the sweet, core, you know, the seed that the Lord, that bready seed that the Lord's put down there, and every day scooping that up and just, oh, what a miracle. And can, can you imagine complaining to the Lord because he kept providing for you? Oh, wait a minute. We sort of do that now. We get tired of his ways or the things that he does or just the normal every day we forget to bless him for. And I mean, just amazing. And so right here in the scriptures, the Hebrew writer here reminds us that the Holy Spirit says, even though it's from Psalm 95, he's saying it this side of the cross to, in the New Testament, New Covenant era. Today, if you'll hear your voice, watch this. Don't read the Bible with a hard heart. Where do we hear the voice of God? We hear it in the Word. What happens when you get an argument with somebody and your hardened heart tries to get in the Word or you've had a fight with your wife? We don't fight, but I'm joking. But whatever. You, you have a hard heart or your boss has treated you poorly and you're, you know, the next day getting up. He says here, listen, if you want to hear the voice of the Lord, take care of that now. As you get into the word or the word as it reveals it to you, take care of it. Take short accounts with the Lord or keep short accounts with the Lord. When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the rebellion with unbelief and no faith. Wait a minute. You don't know where exactly the Lord's taking you on the map? Don't harden your heart. Wait a minute. You're mad because you have manna versus Italian bread? Don't harden your heart. Or maybe you're mad because you wanted this job, but the Lord put you in that job. Don't harden your heart. Or maybe the other person got a bonus and you did, didn't. Don't harden your heart. Or maybe the Lord's brought... A sickness into your life for somebody you love's life. And you know that God is sovereign. And that God is going to work even those things out for his good and glory. And somehow there's going to have a Christ likeness that come to you that you didn't have previously. Don't harden your heart. As the Lord reveals these things, I mean, you could read, count it all joy when you come into various trials. Remember, these things that you're going through are to produce a precious gold faith, gold standard faith, one that doesn't melt, one that persevere, one that is close to him, what tucked right up under the shadow of his wings, one that produces Christ likeness. Don't harden your heart. You didn't expect this, and you got that. That's sort of what happened to the Israelites some. some. Don't harden your heart in the day of trial. If there's trials, stand in those. Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways so I swore in my wrath that they won't enter my rest. See, what is it? I mean, here, we're to rest in Jesus, and he has a rest for us. So if you're hearing his voice, you're reading his word, pray for a humble heart because God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. We're seeking after the rest of Jesus. Who could use the rest of Jesus like even right now? Yes. Me too. And then he says something. Watch this. Beware, brothers, 
See, you know the story now. Lest there be of you, or in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief. What a way of saying it. Anybody in here not believed before in faith for something? I have. He says it's an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Just getting off your moorings, walking in the, uh, according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. But do this. Look at this. Here's where we get a little glimpse into the church right here. What is one thing that we're to do with one another? Exhort one another. Exhort one another. What do you do when you're a coach? You're exhorting constantly. That's what you do for the whole time. You know the strategy. You know the system. You know what's best for somebody. You even... Think about it. I mean, who wants to make kids run all the time? Me, actually. But, but who wants to do that? It's not so they can run and you can be a big shot. It's so that when they get in the game, they can play for the whole time and they can play hard. And here's the funny part about it. Young people don't want to run. I know because I was run, uh, young once. But you have to use different ways to get somebody to get in condition. There's some people you have to say hardly anything. You know, we need to be in condition for Friday's game. Good, what do you want me to do? I'll run it. But then there's other people you have to sort of know what they're like so that you can help them run. Well, see, it's the same way in the Christian life, the body. There's some people who respond to, you know, really, Brad, you should set some alarms on your phone. Well, he's got about 75,000 every day on his phone. You ought to try uh, being in the same hotel room. It's a real fun time. 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, You're like, how many alarms do you have, buddy? But I'm kidding around, but not really. But what if some other people need the discipline that he has? He needs to tone it down a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Uh, other people need it, right? So you exhort them, you help them. And the best and greatest thing is that each one of us, even every, every one of us would have an early morning, first day starting devotion with the Lord, just meeting with the Lord. And here's the deal now, not all of us are doing that. So what's one thing we could do? We could exhort one another in that. But there's other ways we could exhort. There's some people here who are lower than low and some people, you know, are higher than high and everybody in between and you... Go and you help and you encourage and you say things to help them along the path of what we're all running towards Christ's likeness and God's glory and uh, having more people come into the kingdom of God until he returns. We're all rowing in the same direction. So you could be exhorting one another. You could send a text. You could call. You could go visit. You could send them a letter. You could bring them a meal. There's a million things you could do. And while you're doing it, you could help exhort them. Move them down the path of Christ's likeness. That's what we're to do. We're to exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said, today if you will hear his voice. You heard this before? Don't harden your heart as in the rebellion. You get that? When's the day to encourage? When's the day to exhort? When's the day to enter into the rest? He's telling you. He said it twice. Don't harden your hearts. Have a humble, teachable, submissive. Listen, listen. Submissive heart. Submitting to the Lord. And so that you can persevere to the, dead, to the end. For who, having heard, rebelled? Well, I'd have to raise my hand right there. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Wasn't with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Remember, when they didn't uh, enter the rest that he had for him, he said, okay, uh, you know, certain age limit here. If you're younger than that age, you might go in, but you older folks are going to just die off out here in the wilderness. Remember that? What was it, 20 years old? So he's referring to all that. 
And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who didn't obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of disobedience and unbelief. Are you catching that? You know what? People will come to you sometimes as the pastor and they say, you know, I just need a break. I'm, 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 I'm fried. I'm ministering in my own strength and I don't know what to do. And you say, well, rest in Jesus. They're like, no, tell me, do I need to go on a vacation? Uh, should I play softball on Wednesday night? Well, rest in Jesus. It's the only place where you receive real rest. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, folks, there's a great disconnect between, watch, that and these. <laughs> what this part of the Bible is telling you is don't just come in here and be a consumer for 52 weeks out of the year. If this doesn't translate to that, to walk in it, to walk in what the Lord has for you, well, you're missing it. It's just the same as unbelief, etc. In the sense that we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. It moves us. The word of God moves us out and moves us on. For we have believed, do not enter that rest. As he has said, watch this. So I swore in my wrath, I shall, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, watch this. Today, he's quoting the psalm again, the one we're about ready to study. After such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And I would write right there, listen to God with a soft heart. You ever come to church and gotten in a fight with your friend or your spouse? No, just me. Or just her. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's a joke. No, right. You have or whatever. You've been in a fight with, week with your boss or whatever. Here's what the Lord's saying. Have a soft heart when you come to hear the word, even in the mornings when you hear the word. Keep short accounts. Keep a soft heart, a teachable heart. Make up. Ask for forgiveness. Ask, confess your sin. Keep short accounts. Because if you'll just hear his voice, you're, you're not going to hear his voice in the environment where your heart is not hard, or excuse me, where your heart is not soft. And so I guess the point of all that is to tell you, look at this. Psalm 95 pervades all of the end of chapter 3 of Hebrew, Hebrews and the beginning of chapter 4. It's really unique in that regard. And listen to what it says as you flip back to verse 1 of chapter 95, Psalm. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Did you notice that it says us? By the way, I was blessed tonight, man. I know this is a bad way of saying it by the pastor. But for once, the old people knew, knew some of the songs and the young people were sort of like, what? What's going on there? No, I'm kidding. I love it when we all sing. I know, I know. But it was cool because 19, I was reliving my years when you were playing. I was like 1979. I was 12 years old in like seventh grade or sixth grade. How about that? And then he played a song from 1988, and I'm thinking to myself, in 1988, you know what song I was listening to? I hesitate to tell you. In fact, I'm not going to tell you. And you know what I was doing? I wasn't in a church service, and so what I was thinking to myself is, as the song was playing, and I got to sing the praise, praise the Lord, because I know what I was doing in 1988. <laughs> but when we come in, it, look, it's a communal thing. I want you to see that. It's good to sing together. 
It's good to sing at home by yourself or with your family in the car, but it's good as a corporate community to sing. Let us sing. You see, this was a singing psalm. This would have rung out. If you've been to Jerusalem with us or if you've seen the pictures, you know that Temple Mount area? This would have been pouring out of the Temple Mount. This is a song or a psalm that they sung and they sung often. It was a singing song. It was a communal song and it would have been blasting out of the temple areas. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us look, shout joyfully. There's a time to shout and to be in so much praise that we're excited and there's this freshness. Even if you've come here 52 Wednesdays or 52 Sundays and the guy or the gal puts on the same song, I get it, that's the same song, but, or even a new song, I get it, it's a new song, but it's not really the song, it's just the vehicle with which we get to express how fresh and new and rejuvenated we feel in the rest of God. Whatever song it is, a 1979 song, a 1988 song, a 2023 song, whatever it is, we sing together and we shout joyfully and we don't do it to make, you know, I don't stand up here and do my worship or make a body movement so that you'll notice me. I don't care about that. Neither do you. You don't care about that. What you're doing is you're shouting joyfully, look at this, to the rock. And it's not Dwayne Johnson. You're just shouting to the rock, the chief cornerstone, the one that the builders rejected and yet rose again from the grave, the rock who's now the king. And the reason I mention that he's the king is because you're in a section of the Psalms that speaks of the kingship of Christ. You shout to the rock who's of our salvation. We sing of our salvation. Praise the Lord. Fullness of joy. There was something lost for us or wrong with us. We're sinners all of us, and salvation visited our hearts or has visited our hearts for most of us. If that's all we could shout joyfully about, praise the Lord. He saved us from the terrors of hell. Let us come before his presence. That's where it is. That's the power. It's his presence. It's not a form. It's not, oh, I'm singing a song. It's, it's him. It's his presence. It's him. He's beautiful. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. With psalms. That's what we do as a church. We speak to one another in a psalms. That was kind of a, not kind of, it was a cool thing that Jason did there for us as he ran through the psalms with us and how many songs they've been turned into. Uh, now you'll just have a challenge finding it on Spotify because they're probably too old to be on there. No, I'm kidding. But Wow, we get to shout joyfully to him with psalms and to each other. We speak in psalms, it tells us in the other place. We talk about the psalms, for the Lord is the great God. That's why. He's the one who creates. In other psalms here, he's talked about how he's created the heaven and the earth, and he's the great king above all gods. You see his kingship in this version of the psalms, or this uh, section of the Psalms, his kingship, he's above all gods. There is no other God. He is the king. For the Lord is the great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. And I love this one because I'd rather go to the mountains than the beach. Sorry, folks. And the heights of the hills are his also. Oh, man. When you get up there and you see those heights of those hills, you just go, there's got to be God. Nobody could do this. This couldn't be by chance. This is too beautiful and majestic. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Now watch this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of this pasture and the sheep of his hands. And I'm going to say a couple things about this, and then I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to have them put up a very long comment 
that just sort of brings me to my knees about this scripture. Oh, come, let us together worship and bow down. Let us kneel. Listen to what I'm saying. Kneel. I wouldn't do this. But if we were on a Sunday morning and I said, listen, when we worship, I want you to just go out in the aisles and I want you to kneel. Do you know that there would be some people in here who'd say, yeah, no problem, no big deal. There'd be some people in here who'd probably want to do it because then they would be, you would feel like they were more holy. There'd be some people in here who'd say, no way am I doing that. That's too weird. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and the sheep, or, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. What a beautiful way of saying that we're sheep that tend to go off, but the Lord puts us in a pasture with green and grass and coolness and nutrition. And, but we're his, in his hand too. We're the sheep of his hand. We can't He's got us. And for those reasons, let us come. Let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. If you go ahead and put that up there, I'm going to read this to you. Warren Wearsby makes this comment. Listen to this. If you want this, uh, I want you to learn this. This is why. Praise means looking up. But worship means bowing down. Alas, Some people who enjoy lifting their hands and shouting don't enjoy bowing their knees and submitting. True worship is much deeper than communal praise, for worship involves the awesomeness of God and experiences the fear of the Lord and a deeper love for Him. Too often, Christian praise... is nothing but religious entertainment, and it never moves into spiritual enrichment in the presence of the Lord, which I want you to hear something there that Warren Wearsby saying is that praise as you praise the Lord, who deserves it, gives us spiritual enrichment if done in a proper way. Our singing must give way to silence as we bow for the Lord. Hey, don't you do this in here? Am I the only one? And I'm no great shakes. Sometimes are you singing out there under the Lord and you're just singing a song? And, you know, maybe the theology of the words, or I don't know, maybe a thought from the Lord comes to you about how good he's been to you and it just silences you. I mean, you're singing, and then boom, you just can't. You're just, you know, choked up or you're, you're just blown away by the awesomeness of God. I think of that when I read this. Our civ- singing must give way to silence as we bow before the Lord. He alone is Jehovah, the Lord, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. He's our maker and our shepherd. Jubilation has its place only if it becomes adoration and we are prostrate before the Lord in total submission. Lost in wonder, love and praise. What a remarkable miracle of grace that we sinners should be called, quote, his people. He made us, he saved us, and he cares for us. Why should we hesitate to fall before him in total surrender? Boy, that's convicting, folks, at least for me. (laughs) And yet, boy, it just captures what may be something I've been trying to express. And as you read this word, oh, come, let us worship. I never want you to forget this ever again. Worship and bow down. There's many people who will praise the Lord and look up, maybe even put their hands. And I'm not even saying the physical act of bowing, but many people don't want to be submissive under the Lord. Who are you to tell me I need to be pure before marriage? Nobody does that. Who are you to tell me I can't look at pornography or who are you to tell me I can't cheat on my tax or whatever Lord no worship leads to bowing down (laughs) let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand and as I read this to you you already know you're like oh today if you will hear your voice don't harden your hearts you go oh Hebrews 3 Hebrews 4 
You don't even need a little thing in your Bible. You just know because you read it. As in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. Notice this as we think about this psalm. What are we singing about? The greatness of God. Not how great we are. It's in verse 3. The greatness of God. The great king above all kings. The one who created and formed. When we think of it, it makes us worship and bow down, kneeling before him. He's our God. And what he's saying right here in this psalm is, now make sure when you come into the tabernacle, that was in the psalm, or make sure when you come before the Lord, listen to this, have a soft heart, have a humble heart, have a teachable heart. For 40 years I was grieved, it says in verse 10, with that generation, and said it's a people who go astray in their hearts and they don't know my ways, so I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. But here's the cool part. We can always enter the rest of the Lord, even when it feels like we don't have any rest. We don't even have to traipse to a building. It's great to come and be encouraged and love one another and uh, to be the the body of Christ and to exhort people and uh, lift them up. But we can rest at home with Jesus, I mean. We can rest out in the field or in the woods or in the city, in the marketplace, we can just commune with the Lord and he gives us his rest and rejuvenation. What a beautiful thing. Psalm 96, another singing song. And let me tell you where it's found. It's found in a pervasive way in 1 Chronicles 16. So turn over to 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16 is when they're Bringing in the ark of the Lord, I'll show it to you here if I can flip there. The ark is placed in the tabernacle and David gives a song of thanksgiving. So I want you to know that Psalm 76 has no author in the subscript in the Psalms, but it was probably written by David because David is singing the song, might not be. And actually, David sings a song of thanksgiving that mixes several psalms, so it tells you something about the early church. Or excuse me, yeah, yeah, well, anyway, not the early church, but the people of God prior to to the New Testament. It tells you something about the people of God prior to the New Testament. When they went and worshiped, they mixed, cut and paste the psalms, sort of like what Jason did here today. Because in David's song of thanksgiving, look at this, verse 7. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. In other words, cut, paste, cut, paste, glue, 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 a couple different psalm lyrics, put it all together in a song. Asaph, put this on the screen. We're going to sing this. And you could read through here. At the end there, he quotes from Psalm 96. Well, listen to it. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Do you know that a new song in the heart of a person was prophesied about in Isaiah 42, 9 and 10? That the Lord is going to put into the hearts of his people a new song. In one sense, we talked about that. The songs I were listening to were more like, I hate to tell you this, but it just was, is true. I was listening, I can think of 1988. You know the first group that comes into my mind? Guns and Roses. I think I was probably singing Guns and Roses back then. I know I was singing the Rolling Stones. I mean, I was, all of them, the, the ungodly songs, and the, that's what I was singing. So when I hear God wants to put a new song in his heart, yes, what are the songs I love and you love to sing now? It's not Guns and Roses. It's not Rolling Stones. It's these songs. And I know there's a big worship war between hymns and, uh, uh, you know, whatever, new modern uh, music. And I, and I know, and you're going to send me emails about this. I know you are. And there's also whatever. I know you're going to send me emails about it. But here's the thing. Any opportunity I get to sing about the Lord, I'm like, bring it on, man. I know the person in the back likes something different than me. So they're playing something different today. What do I care? I'm singing to the Lord. 
Now, I know there has to be integrity in the songs and all that, so don't shoot me an email. I, I get that. But maybe you don't like 80s worship music particularly. Man, did you see here the words? Praise the Lord. Singing the Lord a new song. Oh, because he's put a new song. So in that sense, he's put new songs in our hearts. But also, do you know, the songs that we sing are always fresh. And the reason I say that is, is because, watch, the Lord, his mercies are new every morning. There's, he's so multifaceted. You couldn't stop learning about who he is and how beautiful he is and his holy holiness and how he quietly and calmly, you know, when he convicts me and talks to me about something I did wrong, you know, I tend to batter people over the head with it. He just comes to me and, you know, he can deliver the message, but he's so sweet about it and so perfect about it. And he's just so beautiful. So anytime I can sing about the Lord and to the Lord, oh, praise God. I don't care if it's 80s music. What do I care? I know it's good to know the tune. I know you're going to say all that. But anyway, that's my point. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. By the way, in heaven we'll be singing. You can go into Revelation 14 and you can read. You're going to be singing the new songs. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Watch this. This should be in the evangelism class, by the way. The evangelism class last night was so awesome. And thanks to Sarah and her mom, because I gave her a whole bunch of articles to print, and she printed them all out, and they took forever. But it was awesome. And the reason it was awesome is because they're, well, the Lord, but also because the, the people in the class are so into it. And we we're doing evangelism class. And last night, we just did, we're, <laughs> much to their chagrin, maybe, we're not always going to do this, but last night we went through three methods of sharing the gospel. And we went through the method in which I got saved, which lots of people criticized, and we talked about the criticisms. We did a middle method, and then we did Ray Comfort's method from Living Waters. And it was fascinating to um, think about all the different things that go into proclaiming the good news. But here, look at this, in the Old Testament... There's this proclaiming of the good news of his salvation from day to day. There it is in Psalm 96. Yeah, that should be our theme verse. But anyway, and declare his glory among the nations. You know, I read today, uh, Warren Wearsby again was, uh, um, <clears throat> actually I read it last night, but Warren Wearsby was trying to describe what the glory of God is. And you know what the glory of God is. It's that substance, that kabod, that thing, the substance of God, the glory of God that filled the temple. You, you know this. And that was there in the Holy of Holies. We know this. But he was also saying in our era, uh, in the New Testament, how do you describe the glory of God? And you, you know what one thing he said? He said a lot of different things, but one thing he said, I was like, wow, that's the glory of God? And he said this, you know when God does something that's so amazing that it could only be explained by God doing it. Do, do you know what I'm talking? It happens in your life and you go, this is hard to believe. It, it's unexplainable. And the only way it could happen is because of God. And you know what Warren Wearsby says? That's the glory. Now, I told you that story. You know why? Because when I stand up here, I look out here every day and go, how did this happen? How, how did this happen? These servants here who love the Lord and love one another and want to go out and share the gospel, I don't even know how it happened, really. It just, he just did it. And you go, wow, glory, Lord, glory. It's wonders among the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. That's why we praise him, because he's great. Just him. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. That means they're dead, they're not alive, they can do nothing. But our God is alive and he's great. And that for those reasons, he's greatly to be praised. And he's glorious. He does unexplainable things. There's this substance, this presence, this weight 
to our Lord. He is substantial and significant in the greatest of ways. I can't even describe it. There's not words big enough for it. He just, it's unexplainable. That's our Lord. But he made, not only that, but he made the heavens. He's the creator. Honor and majesty are before him. Majesty. He's a king. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Watch now. It said, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing, sing. Somebody should make that a song. Sing, sing, sing. Jason Franks tells me there's one that we could do called sing, 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 but we didn't hear it yet. But watch this. You talk about Hebrew literature. Watch this. Give, give, give. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. You know what one pastor says tithing and giving is all about? I love this. Sanctifying everything you do the rest of the week. Hmm, that's interesting. Sanctifying what uh, you do the rest of the week. Give to the Lord, O families of God, or of the people. Uh, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Don't steal the glory of the Lord. You ever caught yourself doing that? Guilty. Number one guilty. <laughs> if by chance some miracle happens and you come to me and you say, well, I really love that sermon. You know what I tell you? <laughs> praise God. And what I'm telling you is you praise God for what he's done. Don't tell it to me. I mean, thank you. Thank you. But praise God. Or anything. You ever gone and served at the mission uh, on Monday night or maybe some other mission? And let's be honest, you like it when people say, wow, you did a good thing there. You know, and I'm not saying, but there's this line that sometimes our heart crosses that's saying, I want people to notice me versus I want people to notice the Lord. And let's just be honest about it. We're human and that happens sometimes. When we do things though, and when, uh, as we live the life of Jesus in and through us as his life is lived in and through us. He always, when his miracles and things were done, the Lord uh, in heaven, the Father, was glorified. Let's be like that. Give to the Lord glory and strength, the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What a, be uh, a wonderful psalm. You could spend all your life on that psalm, just devoting your life to that, just discovering the beauty of Christ. And yet, look at this, it's given in the realm, in the context of giving or tithing. Isn't that interesting? There's something about when you give the Lord his due. Doesn't just have to be money. You see his beauty in a new way. Remember what it was like before you became a Christian and how you treated money. It's mine. It's all mine. And then remember how you treated it once the Lord saved you. Lord, how can I bless people? What, what do you want me to do? Where, and, and the Lord spoke to you about tithing and grace giving and all that sort of thing. And the freedom you felt as he revealed himself to you in his giving. I mean... You talk about being upside down for the world. The world says, accumulate, do this, do this. The Lord says, I want you to take the firsts of the stuff you earn and give it to the local church or give it to there or give it to where. Or I want the first of your resource, your time, your ability, and I want you to give it away. And there's something when we do that where we're worshiping the Lord and discovering his beauty. Isn't that amazing? I tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. There it is again. You're seeing the kingship in this series of Psalms right here. The world has, uh, also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. That's what a king does. He judges. Praise the Lord for the judgment of uh, 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 praise, praise him for his judgment. It makes life make sense. 
Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees will rejoice. You understand when Jesus comes back in judgment, he's going to set everything right, including the groaning of the earth. And it'll be as if the trees will be rejoicing and the field will be joyful. He's going to set even all of that right, for he is coming For he is coming to judge the earth. He's going to judge the world with righteousness and his people with truth. If you stood before a judge, what do you want two things of the judge to be? Righteous and truthful. (laughs) And honest. And oh my. The Lord. He's coming again to judge the world with righteousness and the people with this truth. Now listen, I'm going to stop here, but we're going to do one more thing. And you're going to stand if you don't mind. Would you mind standing with me? And I just figured, I'm sorry, Jason, if you want to come up and help me with this, well, help me with it, seriously, or anybody who can sing. Yep. And we're going to sing How Great Thou Art. You know why? Because he is great. Secondly, I don't want anyone going away here and saying, oh, 80s music, I didn't get a hymn. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) And we're going to sing this. How great thou art. 
Without of acclamation, and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow with humbly adoration. And there proclaim, my God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art! And then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Let me read it to you again. <laughs> o come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all gods. So, Lord, we come together tonight as brothers and sisters. We know you're great. And we're thankful for a new song. We're thankful that you've saved us. And we're joyful, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died and rose again. And we thank you for the person and work of the Holy Spirit who dwells us and fills us and overflows us for love and joy and peace and serving and sharing with a lost and hurting world. So lead us, Lord, to people this week to whom we can proclaim the good news of your salvation in fact, Lord, every day, according to verse 2 of chapter 96, we pray you'd lead us to that one person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.